When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Let Me Tell You. Now, here's Joan Hamburg. I'm Joan Hamburg, and welcome to Let Me Tell You. My guest, Melissa Errico, is an actress, a singer, a recording star, a writer. She contributes often to the Times. Her interpretations of songs by Stephen Sondheim are legendary, and also Michelle Legrand. She is unreal, all the things she can do. And three teenage kids, married to one of the McEnroe's, a tennis star, has amazing stories to tell. In fact, Opera News called her the Maria Callas of American musical theater. So I think you're really going to enjoy listening to her today. So stay right there, because Melissa Erica is going to be my guest. to have the one and only Melissa Errico. You know Melissa as an actress. You may have seen her as Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady and One Touch of Venus. That's a Kurt Wilde play. So many more. She sings. She records. She writes. Actually, she's become a contributing writer to the New York Times. Her Sondheim albums are spectacular. Anyway, she's amazing. She's got three girls and a husband, and does absolutely, does it all. And today, we are celebrating this Tony Award nominee, an exciting new album, and this is just released. It's not only album, it's video, Feinstein's, the 18th and the 19th. Everything exciting is happening right now. Melissa, sometimes... All the things you do, and then more stuff keeps coming, and it's all good. So- and creativity, yeah. I've been making a lot of things. I'm so happy to be here. I always love talking to you. Um, so, yes, I have a new album called Out of the Dark, the film noir project. Very exciting. Yeah. Out of the Dark is a sort of an homage to one of my favorite old movies. Remember Out of the Path? Of course. That great uh, that beautiful uh, movie with Jane Greer and Robert Mitchum and Kirk Douglas. Um, she's a very wicked woman <laughs> in that movie, right. but out of the past is a wonderful and enigmatic, amazing movie. And, um, I made, uh, an album that's a kind of, uh, tribute to that time and that aesthetic, but also that might, um, have a modern side to it. They're very mesmerizing movies that have lots of beautiful music associated, but I also felt while I was living in the pandemic, you know, as we all have been, um, 
I had a diversion, which was to watch film noir movies. I have three kids doing remote schooling. I was going to pull my hair out. I don't know how you did that. <laughs> I was like, it was crazy, Joan. Oh. And, uh, you know, everybody was suddenly in remote schooling, remote ballet. I had to set mm. up a ballet. I had two classical ballerinas in the house, and they were in two different rooms doing classical ballet. And my tennis oh, player no. was playing tennis against the um, – the uh, shutters of the house. She was out on the lawn playing tennis against the shutters and not hitting the glass because that's how good she is. (laughs) So we had this like crazy, keeping the children active, keeping their lives um, positive. And immediately when the pandemic hit, my husband got the virus. Did he have a bad case? He had a significant case of the virus. And this was at a time where you couldn't get tested. You didn't know what it was. No, it was the very first scared. It was March 19th, March 17th, right around there. And then he couldn't get a test. And my father, who went to Vietnam, my father said to put him in the basement. So I put him in the basement. You can't make this up. This is a movie. uh, And I I had him in the basement for a month. And I had the three daughters upstairs, and it was crazy. I had to cook 35 meals a week. And leave it at the door. Oh, it was a lot. It was just a lot. I had a fresh director because we couldn't go shopping. And I mm. would, you know, get once, you know, I would organize my shopping list and get the once a week delivery and hope it came and keep feeding everyone and supporting everyone. And when the when it became midnight, Joan, I, I would watch <laughs> these old movies. I know this sounds crazy, but it was my escape. And I would watch these movies, and I would look at Jane Greer and Lauren Bacall, and I would get lost in these films. And and that was a, a whole different thing, Melissa. Noir, that, that's a different sensibility from a lot of movies. What we're oh, talking about, unique. what, the 40s? We're talking about the 40s. And, you know, it's what's interesting and what became interesting over these last 18 months, you know, uh, was that I realized that these movies were made at the end of the Second World War and in that time. And you would think that coming out of a hard time, there would be optimistic art and happy art. But this this is an aesthetic that was very European. A lot of uh, German emigre uh, directors, you know, people who had escaped Hitler, and uh, they brought this European um, uh, aesthetic sort of known as... Uh, uh, German expressionism, really, and this sort of dark uh, uh, sensibility, and they put it in these movies, and these movies were very alluring and very dangerous. There were gangsters and existential lines mm. about life, and um, so it came out of a hard time, and the more I watched the movies, I realized we were in America in another hard time. The human race is in a hard time, and I just looked at this artistic movement, and I thought, wow, I really feel some I was feeling it I was feeling the isolation the sorrow the longing to be together uh and the feeling you don't know who to trust and you're losing your footing you know in your life in life and the city being empty and scary right the city being lost its soul a lot during that time yeah yeah and that aesthetic felt important to me and I felt like exploring it I was given the great opportunity by a wonderful woman, one of the great women like you, a New York superstar, Marie Monique, uh, uh, the uh, president of the French Institute Alliance Française. She's a great New Yorker. She's a mature woman of the highest intelligence. And I was so blessed. She asked me to do a series 
during the pandemic. She says, we can't have anything on our stages. We have no French artists we could bring here. Could you do a Franco-American series? Wait, virtually, right? Virtually. So I did Mm -hmm. a series of three concerts with the unbelievably brilliant writer Adam Gopnik from oh the my New Yorker. God. How did magazine. you get hooked up with Adam? He's a wonderful How did I hook works up with for Adam the New Yorker. He works for the New Yorker. He's one of the great intellectuals of the world and poetic souls, really, of the world. But he is also um, uh, a writer of musicals and lyrics. And I was in a play of his called Our Table, which he wrote with David Shire, helped mm. him develop it. So he's actually a wonderful musical theater uh, personality, as well as all the other great gifts that he has. He won the Légion d'honneur this year for his mm. writing about French things and um, um, important things, really. So he's very special. So we met doing a musical, but I enlisted him for this series. And the third um, theme of the series was film noir. So we've all we did a performance, a live stream. With all those classics. Mm-hmm. With all the classics, you know, like Again and Laura and um, uh, Check in My Heart and um, all kinds of beautiful songs from even Broadway, With Every Breath I Take, and some other David Raxon music and jazz standards like Detour Ahead. Um, so we had, a, we had a concert already, and then I decided to turn it into an album. And the more the pandemic went on and on the more I felt I would it was endless it is endless and the more I felt like capturing the the emotions really of Mm -hmm. of despair and hope and hope renewed and the dark and light of life you know in music so and in music and art that was a great period of art during that time and, and you know what's interesting, Joan? It's not even what's what's interesting about that time when you say that was a great period. Yes, the German expressionist cinema, this, this, uh, the Maltese Falcon, Double Indemnity, mm. all these great movies like Laura. It, it's an incredible sensibility, but where you know there's a lot of desire and doom mm. entangling over and over again. But also, what I figured out is that noir exists everywhere and always since. It became a sensibility. There's Japanese noir now. There's Scandinavian noir. There's Italian noir. People are still making movies they they call noir. People are making music that's got the noir vibe. So noir is an emotional, um, it's an emotional field, really. It's an emotion that passes from the 40s all the way up till, I'm going to say, you know, to my concert, really. You know, it's it's alive, yeah. And all the angst that we all have, noir's the perfect expression. Yes, for all of this. Yes, anxiety um, and sensuality. You know, it's kind of enchanting, but it's also despairing music. So um, the album, I hope you know, will give people all this to think about, and ruminate about, and argue about. There's debates about what is noir. Is that a noir movie? Is this a noir movie? Uh, as long as you're lonely and locked away, it's noir. <laughs> right, and it was an era that was so different, and but it was a time, too. In those days, we would go to clubs and hear all this great jazz and all, all this yeah. kind of music, and not necessarily people who were household names. It was all part 
of what was going on in the world. And it was lonely, too, but you shared it through this expression. Yes. And, you know, the cabaret singer is a great figure in all these movies. The idea of the femme fatale, of course, is in every film, there's a femme fatale. And sometimes there's she is also a cabaret singer or there's a cabaret singer. But this idea of the singular woman who you're not sure you trust and you know she's not perfectly happy. She's suffering, but she's still going to love this man, even if she destroys her life, does something wrong. It's a an idea, the femme fatale. And some of the femme fatale is really exciting. And we think, wow, I want to be like, you know, um, Jane Greer or Lauren Bacall. But also there were some hard things about um, their lives. And I hope too to, I cut uh, the verse, for example, to blame it on my youth, which is a great Oscar Levant song that kind of uh, predates the noir period a little. Um, but he was a very noir figure, Oscar Levant. And there's a verse that says, um, I was like a toy that you preferred to throw away. And it's this kind of bad feeling about being a toy that a man plays with and throws away at will. Mm. And I cut the verse and I just sang the the body of the song because I also wanted to see if I could um, not erase the, the sexism of, of the time, but, but re- rethink what the femme fatale of, of 2022 might be, you know, and there it is, a little bit. Let me ask you too, because you made me laugh. And I think, I think it was one of your New York times uh, essays and pieces. <laughs> it was about going to this famous Broadway costumer. Yeah. And, you know, people don't realize <laughs> that the theater industry is, is so big. It's more than just, you know, actors, actresses. It's the people who make the clothes, the shoes, the, everyone backstage. And you describe mm-hmm. to go for your fitting or try to get something to wear for yeah. these special events. To be the events. femme fatale. Yes. I realized a... when I was doing the French, uh, the French Institute version of this, um, before I made the album, I did that, that live stream. And I, I realized to be a femme fatale, you need to be very well dressed. And I don't have... Uh, you know, a wardrobe that's up to Lauren Bacall's um, well, level. Especially and... those years when we were all locked <laughs> God. up. Oh, these beautiful clothes. And I thought, what, how am I going to pull this off, you know, on stage? And I, um, I called a friend of mine, Eric Winterling, who does Famous. the costumes for the Phantom of the Opera. He does the costumes for Frozen. He does the costumes for Mrs. Maisel's television show. And, um, He's a remarkable, gifted, you know, he's a genius. And I called him and I said, listen, I have this live stream. I have to look like a femme fatale, but I'm not even feeling very, I didn't feel very fit at the time. And I was thinking maybe um, sleeveless dresses might not be that becoming. Maybe I should wear sleeves. <laughs> and it's a scary thing, isn't it? When you go from no sleeves your whole life to sleeves. It's like a it's passing really of time. I know. Life is really marked by the whole period Arms. of your life where you had no sleeves and then the period where you start wanting sleeves. Exactly. But, Think Michelle Obama. What did everyone talk about? They talked about her upper arms. arms. So. I know. How do you think she got those arms, by the way? Well, not Did by me up? opening the fridge and eating candy. <laughs> <laughs> and neither me taking care of all these kids, yeah. making chickens and things, yeah. you know, and, and banana bread during the, the pandemic. Uh, unreal, <laughs> so right? anyway, I felt a little bit in a pickle, you know, trying to look like um, a femme fatale, you know, in the short 
notice with no budget. So I called a friend and I came by with some dresses. I thought maybe he could throw some sleeves on them. Right. <laughs> he, he just looked at everything and said, what a mess. And he said, I'll make you a dress. And um, so he brought in one of his associates who was a, a woman, an Eastern European woman. She comes in and she's very talented and she has the measure, you know, the, she's measuring me and she's getting under my arm and mm. under everything. And um, we're having a nice little time together. And I said, well, this is all very nice of you. I said, to make this dress, I felt so silly. You know, I'm being examined and measured by this mm. world-class woman. And I said, this is so sweet. And she says, ah, I haven't seen an actor in a year. Oh, and I thought, course. wow. And there were 38 empty sewing machines. You mm. know, and I, I looked around and I thought, wow, this is a story. I, I realized my little live stream is, you know, of whatever consequence. But the idea that all these talented people haven't seen an actor in a year and they were happy right. to do it. Oh. And think I, of all those empty machines for so long. Oh, and... All those empty machines. So I, I, I proposed to the New York Times a story about making of the femme fatale dress uh not only the foibles of dealing with my insecurities and so on but um but the people who are out of work and the whole industry that got shut down and how they survived and eric winterling had one production of frozen happening in japan so he used thank goodness and what he would do is he would take the dress for elsa the beautiful beaded dress and he would, whoever does the beating, he would drive the dress to that woman's house. She would do the beating. Mm. And then he would pick it up and he would drive it to the other lady. She would do the hem. And then he would pick it up and he would drive it to the other person who would dye it in their house. And these dresses were made because no one could be together. They were made by him driving the clothes all around New Jersey and mm. you know, Long Island and incredible perseverance and keeping his business going. And so, you got your gorgeous dress. And I did. So I, I you know, that dress is, is on stage at 54 Below, you know, this weekend. And, um, you know, hopefully it looks sharp and uh, to everybody. And I feel glamorous. And so I'll take everyone, you know, uh, with this record and with all the concerts this weekend and all the future concerts back in time, but also maybe right into your own mind now. You know, no, it's fantastic. Hopefully. And let me remind everyone, Melissa, I'm talking to Melissa Erico, and she has an incredible new album. It's with Warner Music, Ghostlight Records. It's called Out of the Dark, The Film Noir Project. And you can go see Melissa at Feinstein's, and you can go And you can listen, buy the music, you know. Buy like the on music. Amazon and iTunes and Apple Music. And, um, oh, it's gorgeous. I everywhere. listen to it. It's you know, really website. beautiful. There's a yeah. website your readers might be interested in. I created a website so that all the ideas and the imagery, the dress, the essay I wrote, everything is in one place. And it's called thefilmnoirproject.com. Hmm. Now, so do the girls yeah. sing because they have their wonderfully gifted mother, they have their tennis gifted daddy, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, their ballet stars or their yeah. actors? Well, there are two two ballerinas and a tennis player, but the ballerinas take um, one takes piano and gu- guitar, and one uh, just does guitar. The girl who does the piano used to play the ukulele because I, they're twins, you see, and I I always was afraid mm. to have to give them the same instrument. I wanted them to feel unique. So right, Diana got stuck with the ukulele for years, and 
her twin, Juliet, said she's going to get a job as like a hula girl or something, you know, in like a hotel in Hawaii oh, or something. So, you know? so Juliet doesn't like the sound of the ukulele. So she made fun of Diana for so long that she plays this silly sounding thing. They're terrible to each other in a funny way. So now Diana has moved on to, to proper guitar and they sing and they do Taylor Swift in the house. Oh, great. I love it. I, I overreact every time they make anything resembling music. I go, oh, oh. But you got <laughs> that from your father, too. I did. I did. And you know, Joan, this is the perfect button to this interview. My father, who is a concert pianist, he went and to a Yale. doctor. Yep. He went to Yale as an Italian-American in the 50s. He did not feel like he fit in at a posh kind of school like that. He was a scholarship student. He had an uh, amazing gift, but he never, you know, with Vietnam and with all the concerns about, you know, survival and money, and he never became an, a professional artist. And But when he was at Yale and um, – he wasn't invited into the social clubs. He wasn't a part of this high society. He worked as a um, pianist, and he played the dances. Mm. And my mother went to the convent school on the hill in New Haven. She was not exactly a convent girl. She was <laughs> born in Brooklyn, loved to wear leopards. She had the hoop earrings, and she was not very 50s. She was, she was, she had a, my mother was, she was doing things behind the back. She used to put her mascara right. on when the nuns weren't looking, she said. Mm. Anyhow, she came down to uh, dance, and my father was the working musician, and he, he was, was playing Laura. He was playing the piano, and he was playing Laura. Mm -hmm. And my mother turned to her date, and she said, who's that? And he said, oh, that's Mike Errico. He's taken. And my mother didn't believe a word, and she walked right up to the piano. <laughs> and that's how my parents met, over one of these noir songs. That's so funny. funny. Right? That's funny, funny yeah. but obviously the gene is right there, strong as ever. Romantics, yeah. The My music parents gene. are romantics. My dad sent me um he sent me flowers for Valentine's Day and it said, I love you. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you for being such an exciting daughter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Isn't well, that cute? <laughs> that, it's a that's the kind of daddy that everyone wants. Oh, it's really I nice. No, it's yeah. so special. Well, I'm very excited for you. I love to hear all of this good news. You can you. get the album, the music, anywhere this is sold. The full album is out there, and it is gorgeous. And you can always read Melissa, too. She's in the Times with very right-on funny articles, is happy to share her life. And keep in touch. I want to know what other wonderful things are happening. There's no one like you, Joan. We'll talk again and say hello thank to your you. family. Thank you, thank best. you. Bye. She gave her very first kiss to you.